Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny-ish, sunny-ish Santa Cruz, California. Hey, everyone. As a nuclear winter gets. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, right. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and this is also the apocalypse. I'm convinced. You know, uh, that's the, the one question I have is like, you know when the apocalypse really comes are we gonna like recognize it <laughs> or is this or is it, it already too late <laughs> is this it um yeah uh joining me on the call today we've got bagel this is fine <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's it and that's all also I got. and also wearing one of his new cowboy shirts it's naked jim it's a it's a Wrangler. From now on, I'm only buying shirts with snaps. I'm a snap addict right now. It's the joy in my life. Or a cowboy oh, shirt with snaps. It's like nice. when you discover jeans with the stretch, the stretch built oh, in. Like, yeah. oh, change. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Things old people sure. say. I only want snaps <laughs> and Velcro on my shoes. <laughs> oh my! Shoot me when I get there. Um, so yeah, what a crazy week. You you know, 2020 just continues to be a bitch. Um, yeah. The fires have just been raging. And now, unfortunately, our, you know, our, our brothers and sisters up north of us, West Coast and Oregon, they're getting yeah. hit. And um, dude, I know people were seeing pictures all over the internet, but to experience what it was like here on Wednesday, mm-hmm. when... It was, everything was orange. Yep. Um, so, and, and to explain what happened was there's so much smoke on the West Coast, um, <clears throat> but it's up higher above our, like our cloud layer, but it was blocking the sun. And then we also had the cloud layer below that. It, like the streetlights never came on, on Wednesday. And they never, never turned, turned off. off. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. They never turned off. And yeah. Everything was just, it was just orange. It looked like, um, like Mars or something. Like Blade Runner. Like Blade Runner. Yeah. And I, I have to say. I that this morning because of that. <laughs> right. I have to say all yeah. the stuff that's been going on this year, that was the first thing that really made me go like, oh shit, is this really like, is this, is this the apocalypse? Kind of. Well, Blade Runner, Blade Runner was 2019. Uh, uh, oh. Right. When it was set, yep. If you mm. go back to Blade Runner, it was set, I think it was set in 2019 was the year. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. And then we had the extreme heat. I think it got up to 111 here in the mountains. Wow. Jeez. And then it dropped down to 60 with a high of 63 <laughs> like the <Yeah>. next day. <laughs> you guys. Well, that's it's... nothing nothing compared to Colorado where it was on fire and then snowed. Oh, yeah. Right? I know. Um I just, I don't know. It's just, uh, 2020 yeah. just continues to be crazy, but we continue to just keep plowing, plowing through. And, you know, um, Scott reached out to me and he said, Hey, you know, I think it'd be a cool topic to talk about the different kinds of masks people are using for writing. 
mm. because of the air quality. I was like, um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I don't think most people will understand or, you know, or can relate to that issue of ha- living the in the Coast. smoke. Uh, and also, maybe you don't have to go out riding. <laughs> I'm just going to say, maybe mm. you don't. It's kind of kept me from doing it, I got to say. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, maybe you don't need to go out. Um yep. Because even if you can protect your lungs and stuff, your your eyes are still exposed to the smoke, and you're, you know, you just get home with just stinging red eyes. You know, it's just it's just bad. But the good news is, it's uh, the fire is more contained here, though it is still happening. Um, uh, yep. There's there been little, how many flare ups? How many homes were lost? Is it like a thousand? I don't even know. It's pretty big. But Jim, you went and rode up through the fire zone today up here in the Santa Cruz Mountains on the roads we usually go and ride. What did it look like? Yeah, I was interested because I went up two days ago, no, yesterday, to help a friend of a friend move out. She has a tiny house back in there. Cool little house. But it was deep in there, um, just up by the fire station off Ice Cream Grade and uh, Felton Empire Road. I think people are familiar with that area around here. And um, it was interesting. It was the first time I had been up around the fires. And I didn't see a lot of, you know, crazy burn areas, but I saw enough where it got burned up to the road. And, you know, her house, it was it burned up right next to her house. A couple of houses next to her uh, burned up in the fire. And you see a lot of that hit or miss. I imagine it like a tornado in other places. Like, why did the tornado leave that one and destroy yeah. all those? Yep. <clears throat> the fire looked like that. I think it'll be interesting to look at a Google Earth shot, you know, next time they do it after the fires to kind of see how it worked with the terrain and, and where the yeah. fire breaks were. I mean, Cal Fire, those guys did crazy work up these fire breaks are massive and the amount of trees that were cut down but yeah so the ride i took was up felton empire which goes by ucsc and it dead ends um at the lockheed martin facility where they do mystery science theater (laughs) i don't know what they do up there (laughs) but it's a fun road because it's a dead end so it's not not as crowded as some other roads are up there and you know i think a lot of us here you know spend a lot of time on those roads i know i cut my teeth riding those roads so i really want to see like what it was like and um you know as you get past empire grade which is kind of where the fire area was Mm -hmm. you could tell they tried to use the road as a fire break sometimes it worked Sometimes it didn't because it certainly jumped the road a bunch. Uh, But then once you got further up uh, and you could see there were less homes and the train worse, everything was just burned. So you can picture these California kind of chaparral forests where they're really steep, rugged terrain, no roads. You can't, you know, you can't walk through it and decades of old lumber and timber and stuff. And, you know, you couldn't see, it wasn't like a jungle, but it was very difficult to see through. Now, you know, in some places they said that forest stuff was three feet, three feet thick well now you look in some of these forests and there is no forest stuff it's literally just white burned almost sand i mean it's like sand is yeah what it looks like wow. and then but acres and acres of charred everything so unfortunately there i saw a lot of homes that were damaged oh you could just tell it was a, a you never knew there was a home there before because the woods were so dense but then you can see a washing machine and a, an oven typically and maybe a foundation some burned out cars but the big uh, but like but Eagle, yeah. the big trees are still there it's just all the brush is gone but the big trees are still there. So it still looks like woods. It's very yeah, it, it's it, surreal. Like, yeah, nightmare before Christmas kind of woods. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You know, because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the redwoods, you know, we, we don't have the old growth redwoods for the most part anymore, except in Big Basin. Um, so some of the larger trees looked okay. A lot of the other trees just look scorched, um, yeah. you know, head to toe. So, you know, I think it'll be an interesting winter. There's still a ton of fuel back there. Um, trees are still on fire. Trees are still falling over. Um, fires are still popping up. But, uh, 
yeah. yeah, it was it was it was fascinating to see. Yeah, and I went and drove through there, <clears throat> and it was really weird because you're like, eh, it looks normal, you know, you got trees, you got this, and here's a little creek, and then suddenly you come up to where there's a turn in the road and it had that metal kind of barricade to keep you from falling off the edge. But all the wood poles that supported it are burnt away. Mm. And it's just the metal gate, you know, railing just sitting there on the ground. Wow. Um, and, and all like the telephone poles, they're up there replacing all those right now. Um, yeah. uh, you can see how those just, burnt away like like a matchstick it's also really weird i've been seeing videos people are posting how like the house will burn down to nothing i mean we're it's not like even rubble it's just down to to the ground and 10 feet away the patio set with the umbrella is still sitting there intact yep it's bizarre it's wild. It's there was a couple of spots on the road where you could see the retire the retardant had been dropped. You know, just a big mm-hmm. red swath right right across the road, and you could see that's what, kind of where some fires stopped. So, you wonder how much is that kind of stuff? Like what houses they chose to defend? You know, how where they did the airdrops? Um, you know, I, I, at my friend's house because it burned right up to that place. I, I started walking through the woods just to kind of get it, just to see it. But very surreal. Um, yeah, very surreal. But like you said, Oregon's on fire. Washington's on fire. Uh, scary times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't even know how to process. It's going to be a while until our air quality is even better. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's good we're and, wearing masks already. Yeah, and, and the Mendocino fire that's burning right now is the largest wildfire in California history. So, wow. and it's it's still burning out of control. So that's, that's still going to grow, still going to get worse um, for yeah. a while. Yeah, you know. That's where I was camping about what six weeks ago. I was camping literally right on the eastern or western edge of that fire lake called mm. Howard Lake. Yeah. <clears throat> it's probably inside the fire now, but um, it was it was just vast out there. I mean, these areas are huge. It's national forest, so it's federal land. Um, but the sheer size of these places are amazing. I mean, the unfortunate thing I think is the loss of of homes and the you know the the environmental impacts. But on the flip side, it, it's got to happen sometime. And without the law, I mean, you know, people lose their homes, etc. But the forests need to burn. You know, they, they need to do this. When I was up near Bear Valley, uh, what last weekend, doing some dual sport riding, about seven thousand feet, you could see where they had started some forest uh, rehabilitation, just massive logging operations where they're clearing out all the underbrush from these forests. So, you know, I, I think people are getting a clue that okay, we can't neglect the forest like we have in the past, obviously. Um, but you know, I, but at the end of the day, I think you know these fires need to happen. So, in a weird way, you know, you'll see the the forests will be reborn. Yeah, it's just one price. Yeah, because one one good thing is is that the fire is necessary for the redwood seeds to germinate in the in the red, mm-hmm. redwood cones. So so the, especially a lot of the areas that that were far you know were, were logged and there are no more trees, but there were cones sitting in the ground. Those will now be activated and will grow new redwoods. So, yeah. so we will hopefully see a rejuvenation of the redwood population eventually. It'll it'll be amazing. That's what I thought about going up there today. Was this will be wild to watch over the last next ten years or so to grow back? Because we've ridden mm-hmm. enough roads in the woods where you've seen old fires and stuff like that. But it'll be kind of neat to see. So, I think from a you know you know rejuvenative effect for the forest, it's great. It's just you know air quality and all the other impacts not so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I want to get on those fire roads and start doing some riding. (laughs) Well, that's the other thing too. I don't think right now, I think you'll get shot. That's the other thing. There's a lot of, yeah, fire cuts and some, some trails to go ride now. Wait wait till, wait till it's all out. (laughs) 
Yeah, wait till it's all out because it's still <laughs> there's still trees on fire up there. It's a trip. Yeah. But the fire breaks they cut above UC were massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had a great day at the garage today. Uh, mean Megan was there with her baby, Elliot. Um, uh, we had a lot of uh, you know old crew, old crew came by. Mike was there um, with his daughter and James and uh, a new guy uh, Chris came by. He, was he with the 554? Yeah, the CB550. He was given the hard truth by me. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he bought um, the CB550. It's a cafe racer. Um, it's got a lot of cool mods on it. You know, the frame was cut. All the things were done. The little cafe mm-hmm. racer seat. But he has yep. a girlfriend that wants to go riding with him. So mm-hmm. he bought a stock seat to put on. But all the attachment points, the hinges, the latch, oh. everything's gone. Oh, um, the the support <laughs> rail that goes across the two frames. And the battery is now sitting in the tail. So yep. right. it, it's like... Uh, you can't put a seat there. Right, so he's trying to figure out how to do all these mods, and the foot pegs yeah. were cut off, the rear no, foot pegs. No, no passenger so, pegs at so all, he, yeah. So he needs to find a stock CPU. Yeah. So he's one. trying to figure out how to do all these mods so his girlfriend can go ride with him. And yeah, I'm so, like, no, here's the easy solution. Tell her no. Yeah, perfect, done. <laughs> yeah, or better yet, get, get her, her own bike. bike. Get her own exactly. bike, exactly. Yo, and now we're being joined by award-winning Mike. What up? Yo, hey. I just mentioned you were one of the crew that came by today. We had a good little time at the garage. Oh yeah, and yeah. and kids. We now have the uh, the the spawn of the misfits coming. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and stuff. <laughs> Mike and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Mike and baggage. <laughs> um, and and I have to say, I was very proud of Micah today for two reasons. Yeah. One, she showed up sporting her new, um, her vest, her instructor vest, looking all, all like important stuff. But you can tell she's proud of it. Um, but she's always been a timid person in general. Like she doesn't, um, she hasn't ridden a scooter yet. She she doesn't like being pushed to do something. She likes to be educated about it, to do the research, be prepared, and then she tries it. Um, mm-hmm. And she's not a large person by any means. So I challenged her to ride my Africa twin today, which is a large bike. And uh, she did the the thing, we call it the Jocelyn Snow exercise, even though I'm not sure if she created it, where she... Um, you can only put one foot down at a time and she jostled back and forth from the right side to the left side, you know, just keep jumping back and forth so that you get comfortable with sliding off the bike and getting your foot to the ground instead of waiting for the bike to lean over. And she did enough times. She got confident and she set off and went around the block on the Africa twin. But that is a, an intimidating bike and she did it. Sweet. And I, I said, you have grown some balls girl yeah it was pretty cool um but you know it's a perfect example though of you know it's so good to try new bikes right challenge not just challenging yourself but try all different bikes and and try other styles of bikes and get the confidence to be able to ride them. How many times do people say, oh, I couldn't ride that. That's too big for me or that's too whatever, right? I think everyone should try to ride as many bikes as possible. You know what is a great way to do that? What's that? Have you ever thought of renting one from Rider's Share? 
I have thought of renting one from Ridershare. Well, you know what is such an amazing coincidence? You know who we have with us today? It's Guillermo from Ridershare. Hey, Guillermo, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Guillermo. Hey. Hi, Vago. Hey. How are you? Hey, hey so, so good to see you. Um, that is something hey. that I think more people should do is rent a bike for a day. So many people are buying new to the to them bikes all the time how do you know what's the right bike um we have this great source of being able to go to a site like Rideshare, look around at what's available near you and rent a bike for a day and dude you have bikes starting pretty cheap there too yeah we have all kinds of bikes prices and uh, locations too. Yeah, you're you're all over the place, and um, we it's been it's been a while since we've had you on here. I want to catch up. I think the last time I saw you was a year ago in Ohio. Yes, and and, and then we only saw it sort of briefly, right? So it's been really more than a year since we talked. talked. Yeah, that was crazy. That was when yeah. I was there on the uh, the Werwer ride with all the women. We made quite the scene there, didn't we? At the at the AIM Expo. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, I think it was the first time we were there were so many women, right? <laughs> Usually. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, in general, the um, the industry has surprisingly um, been doing well through this whole year of COVID so far. But there's one industry that isn't doing well, and you rely on that, and that's the travel industry. So I wanted to see how have you been doing? How have you been surviving through this? And have you made any changes to the business to to get through this? Yeah, first of all, the motorcycle industry is doing great this year, but not uh, on-road motorcycles. It's mostly off-road, mm. adventure bikes. Everything that's not on the highway is doing great. But uh, but Harley is down. Um, most yeah, sport bikes are down. It's a it's a, it's a rough year. And uh, and for us, it's even worse because we rely on travel. And travel right now is down what sixty percent, seventy percent compared to the same time last year. Um, but yeah, before we before COVID happened, we were growing really really fast. Mm-hmm. We were on track to be five times bigger than the year before. So we got a round of funding from an investor, and like the week before COVID hit us, it was so lucky. So it looks like we'll be able to survive until 2022, even if you know if, if things don't go back to normal in 2022. So we'll be, we'll be all right. We'll be around. <laughs> Have you seen an increase? I mean, because you've got like six months of, uh, you know, graphs to look at and you could see a sudden decrease. But I mean, like, what does your graph look like at this point right now? Like, what's your projection for the next couple months? Yeah. So in April, everything crashed. Uh, like, it, it, we, have, we were doing nothing, almost zero business. Right now, we're doing about 10% more business than this time last year. Oh, Really? Yeah, it's mostly because we have moved up on Google rankings. Mm-hmm. It's not really, it's not really because like the market is back or anything. We just, right. yeah, and it really sucks because uh, like Europeans are normally like half of the market, 
And right now, travel from Europe is banned. <laughs> How about, let's put it this way. What percentage are you at based on upon your projections for this time? Well, we're at roughly 30%. Okay. That gives us an idea for, based on your projections. 30%. So, um, and I know for myself who've rented bikes before, it's when I'm traveling somewhere, usually flying, so I don't have my bike, and then I can rent a bike while I'm there. Um, but people aren't doing that. So have you put anything in place to make it easier or safer for people? Yeah, we put some guidelines explaining how to conduct a, mm-hmm. a, a contactless transaction. Yeah. Like we require people to be there and to take pictures of the motorcycle, verify the person's identity. But you can do all that, you know, while the other person is standing a little far away or not at all, or not even there at all. And so, so it is possible to go rent a motorcycle from someone else without any human interaction. And it's actually better than walking into a store because you can, do, you know, most of these transactions take place outside in the outdoors. And the nice thing about motorcycles is that, you know, they're exposed to the elements. So they kind of, you know, the, the sun kills the virus, the elements kill the virus. So you don't have to really like worry too much about cleaning the surfaces every time, especially because people wear gloves and helmets, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. as long as you're being safe with your gear, you should be relatively safe from the virus as well. And, uh, yeah, we're already wearing the PPE, right? Exactly. <laughs> a full face helmet, like, come on. <laughs> so, the best way. and so you said you've been growing quite a lot. Um, are you in all of the states now? All states, it's a meeting in New York because of regulations there. Right. Hmm? Good. Where, so put the word out to our people. What states are you looking to get more bikes for rental? Pretty much everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so yeah. let's just recap. For those who don't know, explain how Rideshare works. Rideshare is like an Airbnb, but for renting motorcycles. Right. People list their motorcycles on our website. Other people rent them. And uh, to make it safe, we provide insurance, roadside assistance. We check that people have motorcycle licenses. And... Uh, and there's a lot of like machine learning and or technology that happens in the background to vet riders and we also started doing some things to ensure that the, the motorcycle boosters are safe and uh yeah it's uh it's pretty cool it's surprisingly complex in the back so we yeah we have this advice from airbnb telling us kind of like what to do mm. so we're working on a search engine algorithm that surfaces the most reliable owners and bikes when you search for a particular bike in a city. And so we have, so let's say you have 500 bikes in LA, you search for something, and we're only gonna show you like three results, right? You need to scroll down and you want to see more. Right. So, so you're getting the best three bikes out of like 500, right? Or at least that we think are the best in terms of reliability and whatnot. So, we went, we, we are, like, we moved quite ahead in the last year. Um, we talked to our roadside assistance company and they compared to their eagle rider franchisees, 
we are getting half as many posts parental day as they are. And so, yeah, it's crazy what you can accomplish by little things like sending an email like, hey, don't forget about your old things, you know? It's uh, right. Yeah, I've heard uh, people who've gone to rent and they get there and like it's like a worn out chain and sprockets or stuff like that. That's something as somebody who myself I've rented and I've rented my bikes out, um, you know, because I want to be able to travel and, and rent a bike. Um, but the bikes won't be there unless people make them available to rent. So I felt like it was my responsibility to also put my bikes up for rent. And so I, I've rented my bikes out more than I have rented other people's bikes. Um, there's huge opportunities for anyone who wants to make a little extra money. Or in my case, it just kind of paid the, the bills for the bikes because I have so many bikes sitting in my garage I'm paying insurance on and stuff. And everyone has always been so nice. I've never really had an issue at all. Um, so one of the biggest things, and we've, we've covered this, this before, but for anyone who's new to here, I want to make sure they understand. The biggest concern is insurance and what happens if your bike is crashed. So you want to explain how that is covered? Yeah. Um, so before each trip starts, we require that people take pictures of the motorcycle and also after, right? Right. And that's how we determine if the renter caused damage to the motorcycle. Because... Very few people gain serious, serious accidents. Most people just drop the bike on the side at a standstill. And, but, you know, they say, no, I'm t so with those pictures, there's no, uh, we avoid any kind of conflict. Like, we have the evidence. We know you did it or you didn't do it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so if, if there's a drop, then you go to a website, you could file a claim, and we use third-party adjusters, and in the, on average, it takes them seven days to to handle a claim, and and once you handle the claim, we deposit the money directly into your bank account. Uh, there have been instances where it takes a lot longer than that. So uh, right now, we're training our customer service reps to get claims adjusted licenses, and we're gonna start doing a, a lot of that in-house. The more complex cases, we'll still outsource, but um, you know that. The easy ones we're gonna do in house to to provide a faster service and higher quality service too. A lot of these appraisers have no experience in motorcycles and they make dumb mistakes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really dumb. So my all my reps ride motorcycles. So that enough is like a huge advantage compared to a regular rep. But it used to working with cars, you know. Right. Well, like I was saying uh, at the beginning. <clears throat> I think there's huge opportunities here for doing test rides. So many dealerships no longer offer test rides because their insurance got so crazy. I remember I was at a, uh, a dealership once and a guy was trying out uh, a Hayabusa and he looped it in the parking lot, just popped the clutch and looped it. And the owner came running out going, that's it. No more test rides. <laughs> like, like I witnessed, and this thing did like three cartwheels down the parking lot. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, and so I know more and more, you can't go just hop on a bike and try it. They, they just can't offer it. Um, but here, like Jim, you want to try an Indian FTR? There's one not nearby. I would love to. Yes. That sounds like a wonderful plan. Dude, yeah. Right. 
I, totally. Like, you know, we always talk about how we would go on um, Craigslist. Those bikes out, and Craigslist and find, like, it's like porn for us. We just cruise through the bikes. <laughs> now I'm going through this and I'm like, hmm, Ducati Super Sport? Hmm. I'm just looking at bikes around us. Here's one I wouldn't mind trying the KTM 690 Duke. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to compare. Well, we also talked about it would be fun sometimes just to rent a bike you never in a million years would think about owning. You know, yeah. pick one of these bikes you would never own, but hey, why not rent it? You know, for a weekend. You know, it, there's all sorts of possibilities. Okay, uh, Guillermo. I, <laughs> I have a question for you. So, uh, not far from us is a BMW R1200 GS Adventure. Am I allowed to take this off roading? So we're about to launch a change where we uh, will start asking owners, do you allow your bike to go off-road? Uh-huh. And if they say yes, then we're, we're gonna be, the reality is that when people go off-road, they crash and freak. It's not, it's not as, they're not like serious accidents, but they are like, they damage the bike, right? Right. So we're going to start allowing people to go off-road if the owner consents and if they pay a small surcharge. And that's going to start in like a month or two. So we, we, we missed the summer, unfortunately, <laughs> or the developers took too long, but uh, it's going to be on for next Friday season. Uh, hey, Bagel, guess what? Yes? Just in case any of your bikes are down, I know it, I know you have no if all of your bikes are down at the same time guess what we have right here in Scotts Valley for $45 a day What's that? A Vespa. Ooh, nice. LXV? Uh that is yeah, a 1 LXV 150 or you can get a Yamaha Smax. Ooh, S-Max. <laughs> all right. Um so yeah, I like it. You've got scooters, you've got sport bikes. Basically Anything's going to be out there. I think you've had customs. And do you still have a, uh, that guy in L.A. with the Ducatis who's, like, making bank? Yeah, they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is um, a huge resource right there is trying – take a bike for a day. Try it out. That's what I think. So do you take um, piece of shit customized bikes like Mike's uh, 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 Honda? <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. What's a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, like, yeah. How do you like? So Mike has some 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 nice custom bikes. Um, uh, do you have many custom like custom chopper kind of stuff? Very few. Very few. Mike, I'm telling you, why isn't Lucky Charms up here? Um, because it's. I think most of the bikes that their people are renting out are rider friendly. You know, uh, you so know, your bikes are not, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you just get accustomed to it. And to me, like I get on it and it's like wearing an old glove. That's just like comfortable and perfectly fit to me. But I think that, you know, and I've customized it over time to be that way. And I think someone else gets on it and they're like, what the hell? Like what? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, you know, any, you get on that bike to like my Harley and then all of a sudden, or the, the shovel head, either one of them. And they're completely all different. Yeah. And, not to mention they're completely useless for, <laughs> you know, a functioning bike because they're just like solid pieces of iron. With 
<laughs> unless you're going to like your high school reunion, then it's the perfect yes, bike. there you yeah, go. 25 year high school prices. reunion. That's what you're rolling up on. Midlife crisis, you know, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. They're your bikes. I'm just saying, you know. Well, I'm midway. I'm halfway there. So, you know. <laughs> now, they're cool as hell. I just, you know, I was thinking about that too. Like, I wonder how many choppers are on there, but I feel like, um, you know, why do they call choppers death traps? You know what I mean? Death so I traps. Think, yeah, I just don't see them being, uh, you know what I mean? That being really a great marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like also too, like think about the guys who get off of their custom bike. You know, they, they you know, they got their swagger and it's like, they're all proud of their bike. And it's like, it, it might be kind of weird jumping on someone else's like swagger machine, you know? True. Think about it. You just I mean, don't like, want to clean the seat. Rent, rented swagger. <laughs> rented swag. Rented hmm. swag. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, oh, you never know. Yeah. I mean, we have customers here and there, but you're right. Most most of the bikes are from people that are no longer really attached to them that way, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, or it's like close to stock, or it's kind of meant for distance, or it's set up for comfort. And, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's uh, maybe a bit more of a manageable, rentable bike. So, but, I mean, that that brings up a question. Have Guillermo, have you ever said no to somebody who wanted to put their bike up for rent? Yes. I mean, we cannot take motorcycles that are older than the year 2000. Oh, yeah. older than 2000. Okay. Yeah. We're negotiating or Southwest titles. Okay. Um, or slingshots. <laughs> <laughs> and no can-ams either? We, we do have k Ah, Wow. Yeah. So there, there's one of Mike's bikes. Yeah, see? Uh, Can-Am. You, you, the guys from BRP are going to hate me, but they are the most unreliable brand by far. <laughs> wow. By really? far. Yeah. So right now, at this point, we have accumulated, you know, tens of millions of miles of motorcycles, and we have, you know, had called me earth assistance like 150 times. Canon is a very, very small percentage of all the rides. Yeah. But they are a very high percentage of all the toes. Like the toll rate for a Canon Riker or Spider, sorry, is uh it made three times the toll rate for every other run. Like all the other runs are kind of like around the same, you know, like statistically there's no no difference, no statistically significant difference between all the runs. Except Canon. Those things break down, or or the or if it's not the engine, then it's the like the laggards, the like the panniers stop opening. You know, like right. it's so weird. It's always a problem. And it's always a problem, you know, and they blame us. It's like this. <laughs> you know. mm-hmm. huh. So all right, let me. Uh, so you do not have. So you let the people. Um, decide the rental price on when they list their bike right correct do you have any input into that not yet so we're 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 coming up with a pricing recommendation algorithm Mm -hmm. but uh it's 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 a lot more difficult than it sounds because we you know we have to do it for 2000 motorcycles at the same time or so so it's just um it's i think it's it's, it's a lot, I think a human is a lot better at deciding the price than whatever I can do because, you know, you can look at what your local e-riders doing, what people around you are doing, 
or you, you maybe your, your your bike on our system is Harley Davidson, but like maybe you put some really cool, uh, I don't know, aftermarket parts that mm-hmm. might, might make it more desirable, and our computer algorithms kind of capture that, right? So we still don't do price recommendations, but we are coming up with something again based on what the Airbnb guys are telling us to do. All right, so uh, I just made up a game, and you guys are all going to play it. (laughs) We're going to call this high-low. I'm going to tell you the bike, and I'm going to tell you a rental price per day, and you tell me if it's high or low. And you guys, misfits are competing against Guillermo. All right? Mm. All right. Okay. And these are all local here. Uh, I have a BMW S1000 RR right here in mm. San Jose. Uh, and they're asking, uh, I'm going to say $200 a day. Do you mm. think the actual price is higher or lower? I think the actual price is lower. Lower? I'll, I'll second bagel on that one. I think it's going to be a little bit lower. Mike, what do you think? I missed it. I was talking to my child care lady. Show me again. It's an S one thousand RR. No, the titties. <laughs> Two hundred dollars a day. Do you think it's higher or lower? Two thousand. The the RR. The BMW. The S one thousand RR. Yeah. Uh huh. And the how pirate much? bike. How do you think that the actual rental price is higher or lower than two hundred dollars a day? Oh, lower. Lower. All right, Guillermo. What are you going to say? Well, I think you're asking is a trick question, you know, but I would imagine it's lower. <laughs> All right, you guys are correct. It is a hundred and fifty-three dollars a day. Well, not much deal. All right, I now have a Kawasaki Z six fifty. Ooh, the new one. See, see if I can show you the price without seeing the rental gas tank. Wait, can we just call out the price and then and then like it's like the price is right, the closest to it. Uh, But you can't go over. All right, Kawasaki. Z650. I'll tell you what. Guillermo, you tell me how much you think it is, and then you misfits can go higher or lower. How about that? Oh, higher. Okay, so he does the high-low number. All right. So, Guillermo, so how much one, do you the new, think the new 650? The Kawasaki Z650 is listed for here in, I think it's Morgan Hill. Mm, it's it's in You're going 95. Okay. Yeah. Misfits, higher or lower? I say lower. I think it might be lower. What year is it? Yeah, what year is it? Uh, let's see if it says. If it's 20, oh, 2019. I'll say I'll go higher, mm. I think. I say yeah. low. It's only 650. <laughs> yeah, but it's new. The guy's like so stoked yeah. on it. It's brand new. Yeah, if it's one year old, I think it might be a little higher. Uh, Not it, what you're it, worth. It's what you negotiate. Right. It is 60. He didn't buy that bike to ride it. Come on. 65 <laughs> bucks. He's, he's probably turning and burning them. <laughs> all right. And all right. I got one more. How about a, this one is a KTM 350 XCFW. Do you know what that is? It's a, let me take the price out. It's a, it's a dirt bike, a straight up dirt bike. Okay. All right. Guillermo. KTM 350 XCFW. Dirt. 50 bucks. All right, you guys, higher or lower? 
What was the number? 60? You, you said 50? Five zero. Oh, 50, yeah, five zero. Okay. That price right there, but I'll say I'll say fifty fifty dollars and one cent. Yeah, okay. A little, I guess a little over, a little over fifty. I was gonna say fifty-five. So over, and this is in Morgan Hill. Okay. Jim, I'm with Mike, fifty and one cent. <laughs> Three hundred and eighty-three dollars a day. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I don't think he wants to rent it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Three hundred eighty-three dollars. Or he knows there isn't an off-road uh, rider right now, so he's he's charging that much to keep up with the repairs. Um, I'm just. Right, can you can you search by model? Oh, that's a good question. See if the new uh, the the Honda 450 uh, rally bikes in there. The Dakar bike. Right, right now we do make and year uh, because frankly we don't have enough bikes to really make search by model like you know worth your time. Okay. If you do Honda whatever year it is. I got one more, and this one is a the, oh the Ducati Super Sport S here in Mountain View. Ducati Ooh. Super Sport S. That's a really nice picture. All right, uh, Guillermo, yeah. how much do you think this bike rents for? One ten. How much? One ten. All right. The picture is really nice, so it means the owner is like one of those. <laughs> All right. What year is it again? Uh, let's see. It is a 2017. Hmm. Higher or lower, Misfits? Higher or lower than 110? I'm going to go higher. All right. Mike, what do you say? Um, what's a Ducati? They probably think it's worth more than it is, so higher. <laughs> All right. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. With, with, yep, higher. <laughs> For all the reasons. He said 110, and it is 108. Oh, so close. 108. That's some more. <laughs> yeah. So you can uh, you can go on and on. I mean, um, $89 for a Vulcan S, um, $109 for, the in, for an Indian Scout, $63 for a Ninja 650, $131 for the BMW our 1200 GS adventure. Um, I mean, they're all over the, the place. I'd say that that KTM dirt bike is the one I'm like, huh? What? Well, you know what though? But all the rest makes sense. I feel like to be honest with you, you know, if you, I don't, I don't know anybody who buys and owns a dirt bike, not expecting it to fall over often. You know what I mean? Parts yeah. just pull them on and off. So I think he's just accounting for the fact that like, you're probably going to smash this. So you're probably, you know what I mean? This is probably going to get damaged, you know, and like the wear and tear on those, even though the miles are lower is like, you know, incrementally higher. So it's just, I think you're just paying the tax on like, you know, whether you do something or not. You know, I mean, it's a pretty hefty price, but say you don't have a bike, you've got a bunch of bikes, all your friends are going dirt bike and you want, you know, ride with them for two days, you know, 600, 700 bucks. That's a lot of money, but you can go with your friends, you know? So Guillermo, what else you got brewing over there? I heard you mention some other crazy idea you've got. Yeah. Renting um, So we're going to start delivering the motorcycles to your home. What? what? I know. So what happens is a lot of people want to go on group rides with their friends when they're traveling, right? Yeah. And so all 10 of them can go to one location to get their motorcycles. So fuck it, you know? We'll take the motorcycles to them. And cool. right on. The way it's going to work is the owner is going to get is going to have the ability to 
charge extra for delivery and it's optional they don't have to offer it yeah and so for them it's an opportunity to make more money and and yeah so that way we can make groups of riders viable but also like it's you know makes the product experience even better overall right like cool i can order it comes to my home like you know we're living in an age of amazon right so it's kind of like what people expect now, if, if you fly into an airport in a city, can the owner meet you at the airport with the bike? Is that possible? So that will make you run into regulatory issues. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is because, yeah, to, you need some special licenses to be able to do that kind of stuff. I see. But I, you know, I promise, I'm, I'm sure people will do it, but we're not going to, like, make it encourage it at all. You can't offer it as a service. Gotcha. Interesting. Then, so, if, and if dirt bikes go well, then we plan to add other types of, hey, Miss Emma, how are you? Long time. <laughs> I was about to say, now Miss Emma has joined us. Yes, hello, darlings. Better late than never, eh? Guillermo, ciao. Ciao, Guillermo. How's the bike uh, rental business, darling? They're <laughs> He's just uh, filling us in on some new new ventures they're getting into. One, that they're going to start looking to uh, get permission to take off-road bikes off-road, because right now they're not. And I think a lot of that, okay. isn't that because insurance doesn't cover it off-road? Or there's some yes. issues with insurance? So they're looking at that. Yeah. And also, they're looking at adding um, a delivery, having a bike delivered to you. Ooh, I say. Yeah. If the, if the dirt bikes, if people don't crash those dirt bikes too often, if we can make it a, a bio business, mm-hmm. then we're going to add, you know, snowmobiles, UTVs, ATVs, and any kind of toy uh, into a platform because it's a, it's a very similar kind of risk. And uh, and once we do all that, we can also start letting people organize their own tours, rallies, events, whatever they want on the platform. Okay, hold on. Wait, what? <laughs> I want more information on this. You're going to work with, like, creating tours? Yeah. Mm. So a lot of the demand for motorcycle rentals come from yeah. tour operators. And we, we're partnering with, with a few of them, and it's working out really well. But there's a lot of people that, I mean, organizing a tour is not that hard. All you need to do is have knowledge of cool roads, you know? And so you sound excited. (laughs) Well, yeah, because that's something I've long wanted to do, but you have to invest in all these bikes and then maintain them and have the insurance on them. And that's a huge expense to take when you may not be renting them out that often. You know, you have to have this fleet that you maintain. Um, uh, Jim and I created the uh, local Moto Food Tour where we went around to different food spots. I mean, because, you know, we're here at the ocean and the Salinas Valley um, where you have fruits and vegetables being grown and you have great um, tacos and oysters and sausage. And yeah, we did a moto food tour. We just like did it just for fun. It was free. And like 30 people showed up. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. It was crazy. I think it was the garlic fries. Oh, yeah. Garlic fries. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got a good um, rapport with a lot of people. Yeah. So that um, when you said that tours, I'm like, ooh, is that something maybe we could work with you and develop some tours? People can fly in and rent. Fly in and 
We should we should we should talk, Guillermo. We should talk. Get any better? We should talk. We're thinking 2021, mid 2021 for that kind of stuff. And yeah, so you're gonna have the baggy year to use, so you can go join a tour and and have fun with our riders, right? And little by little. Like tour is just one type of experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's really it's we, the idea is to be super flexible, so you can do whatever you want on there, not just tours. And so we're we're also like we're also thinking like class, uh, you know, classes free, maybe maybe classes for beginners, people that don't have motorcycle licenses, and basically do everything that the motorcycle industry is not doing well. <laughs> so let's circle back. Um to at the mm. beginning when I said that this is a great opportunity to rent bikes and try different bikes. Have you reached out to um, dealerships that yes. you could be a source uh, for that? Not just them renting their bikes, but that if you know somebody wants to try the Indian Scout, they don't have to try you know, Gilroy Indians. They could rent this person's bike and try it out. Yes, I had a team of three people this summer. Like, mm-hmm. well, my customer servers when they were not uh, when they were not busy, they would be calling dealers to try to get into their inventory, and it was surprisingly unsuc- unsuccessful. You know? Yeah. Um, I learned that uh, Windy City Group in, in the Chicago area mm-hmm. they they parted ways with Eagle Rider and started using other platforms. So we're gonna. Uh, we're also, I'm, I'm going to start conversations try to work with them, but when, you know, so yes, I, we're working with six dealers right now, mm-hmm. but I, it's impossible to convince a dealer to come work with us. Like they, it's, it's like they come on their own. I don't know what, how I figured out the pitch, the sales mm-hmm. pitch yet to, to get them, you know? And I might tell them, Hey, you could sell more bikes. You could, if they crash, you sold the bike, the maintenance, if they, if it's, you know, they damage a part, you you sell apart. So like it, from the economic point of view, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a trust issue. Um, and I think over time as the brand grows, we will be able to get there. But right now it's just, we need a better brand. Next, this year we haven't done, we have done very minimal advertising because of COVID. But yeah. uh, in 2021, I think it's going to be a, a big year. <laughs> Definitely keep me in mind. Give me a call sometime. I'd love to talk to you more about the whole tour idea. I think it would be a great idea in that, you know, we've got uh, Bagel, our scooterist, who can maybe come up with a, a scooter tour. Scooter. We could do a promo- promotion <laughs> for a scooter tour, right? Which she already does. And then you have uh, the, the other misfits that we have a lot of, um, you know, like the, uh, doing a food tour or something that we could promote through your site would be pretty cool. Yeah, and when we're when we start working on that product, uh, I'll ask for your feedback. Like, hey, what would you like me to put on there? You know? Yeah. Mm, I like I like ah, I like I that like you it. I like that you've been really working at coming up with new things. So, um, you you're confident though by next year that this is going to be picking up. So, I'm a I'm a data scientist and. And I had that kind of the team. So I've been looking at the COVID thing as closely as possible yeah. because God damn it, you know, really hurt, hurt my business. And uh, nobody knows. <laughs> but no, nobody really knows. But the the trends are definitely going in the right direction. Like even though people are going outside more and stuff, 
like the, the you know cases and deaths continue to decline. And uh, I think, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not an epidemiologist, but in Europe, you know, in most most of the countries that were hit hardly, mm-hmm. the virus sort of peaked at when when it had infected out 20% of the population, and then and then it kind of that's it, and then it started to fiddle away, and so. If, if the same happens in, in the U.S., then I think by the end of the year, like, we'll be fine even if we don't find a vaccine. But, uh, but at this point, who the hell knows, man? Like, even professional epidemiologists cannot predict where the next big outbreak is going to be. Like, right. they are so bad at it. It's, it's embarrassing, you know, how bad they are. And so <laughs> if even the experts don't know, like, I, of course I don't know. <laughs> And and we have not yet said um, how to find your your website. So writers dash share dot com, but also I just typed in writers share and it, it comes up. Yeah, if you type writers share motorcycle rental into Google, it will come up. Yeah, I need I need to I need to get back on. I took all my bikes off because. Um, my issue was I was never around whenever I had a rental come up and I think I've only like met one, like I've had many rentals. I think I've only met the renter once each time I had arranged for somebody to be there as my proxy, a neighbor or family member. Um, but, but you know, it sounds like with your working on the contactless, uh, checkout and check in that there's, it's getting closer that I might be able to do that. Well, you, you, you still need to take the pictures like a few hours before. Yeah. But uh, we did put a feature on the website that requires, like you can require at least 12 hours notice before somebody moves your motorcycle. Mm-hmm. That way you have a little bit of time to plan ahead. Yeah. And, and you can also block certain days of the calendar if you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's just every time I went out of town is when I got a request. Yeah. It just, it just happened all the time. Um, Plus, I sold my Versus, which uh, I thought what I thought was a great bike for that. But um, what what to you? What is the most common bike available for rent? Most common? Yeah. What bike do you see over and over? A Honda Civic. SV six fifty. I don't really know. I will tell you. Well, actually, yeah, the Harley Davidson. Yeah, uh, Sportster 823. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the most common one. You know, that would make sense. Here's my guess. Emma, tell me if you think this is right. A lot of people, that is their starter bike, the Harley 883, yep. and then they end up moving up to a Dyna or something. But yep. they're so attached to that, it sits in their garage. I mean, they're right, really exactly. Cool, they're like so slow. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know the 883. It it's actually it's quite a good bike. I mm-hmm. mean, I've got I've got my issues with the way they handle. I wish yeah, handle, I wish it handled a little better for somebody just starting out. Um, but hey, it is what it is. They're basically a good bike. But I think Liza's absolutely nailed it. I mean, people buy these, get very attached to them. They get the bigger bike. The 883 gets stuffed in the back of the garage. It's a perfect rental bike, you know. 
because that's not the they're using the diner or the street glide or the road glide this is their number one bike now so the poor old 883 there you go rent it out yep i must say i must say that those big buyers are the most profitable bikes people are charging you know 150 a day renters are taking them out for two weeks at a time oh the and, tigers uh, the road glides and stuff like that oh the road glides yeah yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. we don't have enough of those, and they, yeah, they're highly sought after. Oh, cool. That's worth thinking about. I... You want to go halves on a road glide, Liza, and just rent it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny, the thing that surprises me, just, I mean, just looking locally, there's more high-end, uh, you know, sport bikes, like Italian sport bikes, than there are, like, Ninja 250s or Rebels or, you know... It's interesting. I think it's a lot to do with the fact that those bikes get most of the bookings. Mm -hmm. I think if you looked at this a year ago, you would have seen it was the other way around. But those bikes, that, you know, the, the, the ones that are not getting any action, people have just taken on the platform, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm, now I'm looking. I picked another Another state seeing sport bikes, sport bike. Oh, Harley Davidsons. Yeah, I mean they're nice bike. Ooh, right. But you know, it's going to work out geographically. I mean, we're on the coast of California. Yeah. So we, it's quite a wealthy area. It's quite a tech savvy area. So high end European superbikes are going to figure high. If you go to the Midwest, if you go to Iowa. So if you were to check out Iowa. Like, yeah, it's going to be Harley, 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 because that's what's popular there. Well, Emma, I went Are to... Are suggesting Harley is not high-end? <clears throat> yeah, I, I understand. It's high-end for, high for Iowa. Emma. <laughs> <laughs> no, Harleys are great. I'll tell you what Life I found. I a Harley basher. I love them. I went to Dallas, Texas. Yes. And I found a Honda CTX 700 DCT ABS. Right. $45 a day. Boom. Can't go wrong. 45 bucks a day. And okay, this is a, this goes back to, I think that this should be really be a platform for trying new things. Here's a DCT bike. You know, like, I think that that's such an amazing experience. Everyone, everyone should try one. And here's one for $45 a day. All you've got to do Boom. is move to Dallas. Or no, <laughs> fly to Dallas. Or, uh... Lisa, can I visit us in Austin? There's an electric motorcycle listed in my building at zero. Uh huh. I mean, you're probably never going to buy one, right? They're too expensive. But damn, like, if you ride it, they feel amazing. There's no coming back. They are incredible. You know where they're made, don't you? Sorry? Do you know where they make them? I really <laughs> Here. Yeah. 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 The zero. They give them away for free here. From recycled. Yeah, they give them away for free. <laughs> you wish. Uh, actually, we have a few friends who have free bikes, and we can't say how. Free zeros. <laughs> it's a secret, but it happens. But you know, Guillermo. Um, a couple of years ago, um, at Vintage Days in Ohio. I was actually working for mm -hmm. Cleveland Motor. We had a fleet of Zeros that we were giving people test rides on. And every single person who rode a Zero who had never ridden one before said, 
that thing is quick. People were blown away how fast they were. How that translated yeah. into sales, I really don't know. But you see, Rideshare, Twisted Road, these are the perfect platforms for electric bikes because you can't make a you know ten thousand fifteen thousand dollar decision based on an hour test ride you need a weekend with it you need I to agree. go on a run charge it up a couple of times yeah you the back thing after three hours right Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Well, good. You got any other new new things you got brewing? Any other little tidbits to share? Any more ideas that you're willing Sorry. to leak out just yet? What about gear? Is gear rental going to be something that comes up? Oh, it's already available. There you go. Yeah. We, so owners can lease their own gear for rent, and if owners don't have gear for rent, uh, we have a partnership with a company in LA mm-hmm. that will ship you helmets or, or jackets to, to your home or hotel if you need it. Dude, I love it. You're making all the right changes to, to make this easier and easier for people. Nice. Yeah, it's like a race. I mean, the, the way I see it is Companies like Facebook and Netflix, they optimize all these algorithms to keep you glued to your screen. You know, they, they analyze your dopamine levels mm. like a casino, right? <laughs> and so we're using the same tactics to get you out of your screen and to have a real life adventure. And so I hope that it's going to take time, but in a, in a couple of years, I think we're going to have a pretty solid platform that, you know, that, that people genuinely are like, you know what, I'm getting back into motorcycles. I kind of made this thing, and these guys made it super easy. So, tap, 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 boom, Lucario's at my door, you know? That's that. That's a dream. Nice. Uh, Analyzing you. I want to know about that. What? All right. Analyzed. (laughs) Dopamine and shit. (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you the thing that I am most excited about is the potential for dirt. And that's because um, adventure riding is a thing. I love to go out and just do like trail riding. So Jim and I were in South Dakota recently and we trailered our bikes there. Uh, there's Jim, was it 3000 miles of dirt trails there? Just in uh yeah, like 2,400 miles of, 20, of off-road riding. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. In the one park. And, yeah. um, we want to go back again next year, but it's, you know, it, it, it was expensive to trailer our bikes and stop along the way and rather fly there, rent a bike for a couple of days and be able to go do some of the trails. Nothing crazy. Liza, what would you say grand total your trip would be like, not including bullshit, like snacks and stuff, but like, like logistic. Our trip that we took. Yeah. The vehicle, the gas, bike maintenance, like three grand, 3,500. Oh, no more than that. 5500 For the two of us? 5500 and one cent? I mean, come on. Give me the fucking number. Yeah, for the two of us? I think that's... Is it pre- was it about five grand, Jim? I know. I can't. I, I think five grand is probably a pretty good number. If yeah. you include food... Oh, that's RV, not including gas. Wow. It might shit. have been six grand. But that was <sighs> two weeks. I mean, that was a vacation. You know, it was an adventure. Um, but the whole point being that I could fly there and, you know, rent, uh, you know, yeah, a, a small adventure bike and go take it on the trails would be perfect. 
Hey, have you ever heard of Multiplex? Multiplex? No. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're a chain of uh, adventure tours in, in the West Coast. Oh, really? They're really, really good at what they do. I love them. I mean, technically they're not competitors, but in the long run, I want them to to be on our platform and, you know, work with us. I strongly recommend those tours. They're expensive, but damn, those are, they, they, they take you down like really cool roads in Alaska and whatnot. Um, if you want a hookup, I can, I can introduce you to, to the, you know, to one of the owners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'll, yeah. I'm looking it up now. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'll, ch- I'll look into that. That's all really good. <laughs> yeah. A they got a bunch of, I think that's good when you connect with, other people that just like you know it benefits them it's like a, a symbiotic relationship and you you connect with a whole bunch of tour groups and then they can put on their website your link meaning like it's cool like you don't have a bike and you're coming in like check out this company and it's like it benefits them because it brings more customers that they wouldn't have who don't have bikes and it makes money for you and like it's kind of what i do in my business is like i talk with other people and i try to you know connect with them and then and it gives me work and i give them work I mean, it's better than just sitting there trying to figure out how to market yourself by like paying for ads on Facebook or, you know, hey, yeah. check the website. It's like you get other people to do the work for you with their, you know, a strong relationship. Well, you know? and I would think it's it's hard too because going to places like AIM Expo to, you know, get the word out there, um, there really aren't events happening uh, this year. Do you have anything planned for next year? Are you going to be at any events? Someone could come up and say hi. Well, we moved to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. The, the investor kind of forced us to. <laughs> and, but hey, that means we're going to be here for a MotoGP. It happens. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And, uh, and he, uh, I hadn't made any plans yet, but I plan to attend as many as I can. We, we discovered that uh, those, those events are, are great for, for, you know, for getting brand awareness mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, I, I, I feel bad for, for you. It's been, um, it's been tough. I'm sure it is. It's, it's a hard industry to be in right now, even though there's more and more interest in, in motorcycling and motorcycles. Um, the travel thing just makes it real hard. I'm so glad that you are finding ways, not just to survive and get through this, but to continue to grow and expand. Um, it gives me great hope in this industry. I want your industry to succeed because I want those bikes there available for me. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, honestly, I need for a lot of work. I'm in a pretty good position right now. A year ago, I was $300,000 in, in credit card debt, you know, back on credit, trying to make this work. And uh, right now, at least I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, but thank you. Nice. I got a really great PR stunt. You ready for this, Liza? Oh no! Does it involve your balls? It does. It does. <laughs> Good oh, but it's like appropriate, kind of. So, but yes, it does mention my balls. And so, here's what we do. Here, Guillermo, this is what you're gonna do, right? You are gonna promote the Vampires MC Naked Run, and then we will promote it. <laughs> And then, you know, we could put it up on there and then we could take promotional shots of people riding people's rented bikes naked. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 Mike, there's a fatal flaw in this because if you rent out your bike knowing that somebody's going to have their junk all over the seat, 
their fits and bits. Yeah. You know, no, nobody's going to rent out a bike knowing that your bare ass junk's going to be all over it. What if but you it, include? What if you include a towel with the rental? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! I, I was going to provide Lysol wipes. <laughs> I think it would be, yeah, be fantastic. It would be a great shot. That's you know? a terrible <laughs> idea, Mike. I suggest a, uh, I suggest a Merkin. Rental bikes come with a Merkin. <laughs> it might be small, but it covers a lot. It, it definitely would get a lot of attention on social media. I guarantee that. And <laughs> a bicycle with the dildo through the seat. Oh, hold oh, on. No. I just need to mark the time. It's this so is funny. when everybody tuned out. Okay, got it? Mm. <laughs> hey, guys, what do you think about that? an ad? Something like, you know, think of a Facebook ad that says, browse our bike porn, organize a motorcycle orgy. Click here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> and it was kind of like a funny, like like a shocking thing, and then you know people are like what, and then they start looking into it, and then it's like motorcycle rental, like real cool. Check it out, like. And then we can include a link to uh, the motorcycle film, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it funny, you know. All right, Mike. I think we need to write another film. I'm in, and uh, we'll promote uh, your balls and rider share. We'll figure out how it all goes together. <laughs> I think that's a terrible idea. I'm just looking forward to I, I wiping just, down his I balls. Be on, I just want to be on the record. Hold on. That's saying <laughs> bike rental and genitalia do not go together. No, I'm going to wipe down Mike's balls with Lysol wipes first. Still bent. It doesn't matter. I was going to say, that's a completely different kind of rider share. I'm <laughs> <laughs> still upset because you put Isaac, uh, Isaac's butthole on her on her oh, stop stop <laughs> okay we've, we've really digressed yeah but let me tell you something here's the story this is what the new movie is going to be it's going to be that my balls are so big that i can't find like a proper bike to fit my butt <laughs> and my balls in the same place oh, no. it's like it's almost it's like the the bagels crying on the bagel thing but like i'm kind of running around like really upset all the time because that night you keep getting on and we get these like tossed egg balls that are like mm. massive and hairy and funny looking. And they just always drape on the side of the seats and it's like I need saddles for them or something, you know? <laughs> oh no. And then finally like I find his company and like the perfect fu- the fit, you know what I mean? And it's like a guy with two cup holders on the side of the front of the seat. Mike, you know, you really missed your calling as an advisor for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we lost the rest that of the listeners. Know. <laughs> you know that storyline reminds me of the big balls you have that hang off your adventure bike. <laughs> sometimes they're in front of your knees, sometimes behind them. All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, on this motorcycle podcast. Thank you. Yes. Guillermo, I wanted to thank you for coming on. I'm going to let you get out of here because it is digressing way fast. <laughs> and obviously we need to spend more time talking about Mike's balls. But um, Times are tough. thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for, you know, uh, figuring out how to make it through. Um, I'll check back in. Let's check back in um, when this is starting to, you know, come out of it. Um, yeah. Guillermo, I wanted to say... Um, I'm sorry that I checked in late. Please don't take it disrespectfully. I had a lot going on at home. Oh, I'm offended. It's always, it's always great talking to you. Um, thanks for so checking. Offended. Yeah, well, good. You look like it. You look like it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's always good che- uh, you checking in, and um, we we love hearing from you. We'll give in touch. Yeah, please. Yes. And and yeah, yes, my recommendation is go to riders-share.com, go through all the porn, look at all the bikes, and try something out, something completely different you've never ridden before. If you ride a Harley, try a BMW. If you ride a Kawasaki, try an Indian. Try something out, and then I'd love for everyone to take pictures and send them in and tell us their review of that bike and how they liked it. How about that? Or the process, like, you know, how smooth it was. and. Oh, yeah. I know. I mean, I know he's got it worked out. It is easy. I think this is a great opportunity to try new things and become a, a better rider because of it. Yes. Be safe. <laughs> exactly. Well, Guillermo, awesome. thanks for checking in. And, uh, yeah, let us know when things are, are, when you got something new going on, and we'll make the announcement. Awesome. Cool. Thank awesome. You. All right. Thanks. Uh, good good uh, talking thanks, to Gamo. you. Ciao, Gamo. Ciao. 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 I, I kind of want to rent that $383 KTM just to see. <laughs> like, just, just because. Just because. Um, what sort of KTM was it? I missed that. Uh, it was. Uh, it's local here. So we did a yes. little game called yes. high or low where i showed a bike and uh yes. guillermo guessed how much it was renting for and then the rest of the gang had to guess if it was higher or lower and there was a yeah a ktm dirt bike here in like gilroy for like 383 dollars good lord <laughs> is, is that is that because uh, he wants to rent it for a buck a cc <laughs> <laughs> that's it maybe wow. maybe <laughs> so hey um let's i want to talk about some stuff that's going on here um one thing oh let's just get let's just get right into the controversy shall we how do you say it emma controversy 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 yes um, controversy darling yes go on jump in with both feet let's just do it let's just rip yeah, the band-aid off well. yep all right sturgis yes massive covid spreader yes here's yep. the deal. super spreader Super spreader. I think yeah, a lot of people read the report uh, that said that there's potentially 250,000 uh, yes. people got the virus from that. Potential. And that, what was the number that it's going to be like 22 billion in medical bills in yes. the system or something like that, right? Yes. Um, that was a projection yes. by a team of economists in Germany, I believe. Something like that, right? Um, not to say that it's not true, but here's the thing I wanted to say. Um, yes, I think that I thought I think that going to Sturgis, Sturgis was a bad idea. However, since it was happening hell or high water, um, I thought, well, you know what would be good? This is the largest gathering in the world since COVID came out, and we yes. can learn from this, and we right. can see how it spreads and we can decide is it a good or bad idea and was it worth it and how many lives have to be lost for it to be worth it and we can actually you know put numbers to it if we had tracking and the modeling and all this kind of stuff that was actually accurate but that's the problem and i know that that were projections that was potential Um, yes and none of this is based on actual testing 
Yeah, and but since then, even like John Hopkins um, has come out and said, yeah, no, those numbers are just way off. And then you get a lot of people who were personally there who say, well, first of all, you say that there's 450,000 people there. I don't think so. I think there's maybe 250,000. Okay, well, we can argue that point. And and you say that like uh, 20, uh, was it 28 people? Um, 280 people are reportedly to uh, have gotten the virus from there, but who's to say they didn't get it at the gas station or the restaurant, you know, or the Arby's on their way home. Who's to say, and, and this is the thing that to me is the big disappointment that we can't learn from this because we're not united. This wasn't a grand experiment. Right. But, but Liza at at the same time though, went all those other factors like the, the, you know, exposure to and from mm-hmm. that's all part of the journey that's all part of the event you, know, you can't you can't exclude that because if it wasn't for the event people wouldn't be going there yeah and it's, it's, there are wide-ranging <clears throat> consequences it's just we don't know what they are because we don't have testing we don't have tracking well they're also saying that um even though there is a a bump in the numbers right now mm-hmm. and that's a lot of it they're saying may be attributed to uh you know to Sturgis, but they're also saying that bump in the numbers may be because people feel like they might have been exposed, so there are more people taking the test. So you would have more people being positive because there's just more people being tested. Possibly, but you are also going to have a lot more people who who do have it who are asymptomatic, who are spreading it to others. Never be tested, exactly. Um, And that's, to me, the disappointment um, that we can't really learn from it. We really can't take it and apply it to any other events. Um, uh, I, I believe that it wasn't a good idea. I believe that there are people who spread it there. And I believe that we know of at least one person who died because of it. But I also know that every year we usually did the report on Sturgis to talk about how many deaths there were. And I think on average there was about nine a year just to accidents. Yep. So there's already a number. When you say how many deaths does it take to make it a bad idea? Well, we already know because right. we know we lose about nine a year. And there were, I think, some fatality accidents, but... Um, including the COVID death, it still is not up to the previous year. Um, not, not yet, anyway. Yeah. So that that's the thing. Um, I think everyone who argues a point in this controversy, they're right. Everybody is right, and that's the problem. Who, ah, but you can extrapolate that and say nobody's right as well. You know, exactly. it's one of yeah. those things. When you introduce the human element into anything, you throw the rule book out of the window. Yeah. And that's the figure. Mm-hmm. That's the magic number. You say, what are the amount of acceptable deaths? Now, the Isle of Man happens every year. It didn't happen this year in 2020, of course not. But every year... There are quite a large number of deaths, not just amongst the racers, mm-hmm. but amongst spectators. Yeah. Who are allowed to take their bikes around the course on Mad Sunday. And the 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 death toll, particularly in the seventies, was astronomic. And yet it still goes on. Yeah. Because somebody somewhere said, you know, that is an acceptable number. I mean, to me, nothing is acceptable because it could be bloody me. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
here I am. Well, it was only one death, but it's bloody my death, so it's not acceptable. <laughs> I'm not offering a solution, just a different perspective. Yeah, um, and that's it. And um, that's it. That, to me, is just the biggest tragedy here is that we can't really gather the information and learn from it. I don't think we will. I think yeah. if, if we want to see what is going to happen with the pandemic, the only real information we have is when we look back at the Spanish flu influenza uh, mm -hmm. pandemic of 1918. And that, um, I think that went into about the middle of 20, uh, 1919. So it was around for about a year, 18 months. And it eventually lost steam because sufficient people had either had it or gained immunity to it that it just kind of petered out. Mm -hmm. There was no magic bullet for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the only real um Well Yeah, that and, and the people were just as cautious as they could be. You know? Right. Because there were major outbreaks in, in uh, you know, that where, where people were not cautious. Philadelphia was one of them. Right. They're, they just kind of tried to pretend like everything was normal and masses of people got sick. And, and it, Yeah, it's interesting, um, it's interesting looking at the numbers of Sweden, who mm. never took any precautions at all. Yeah. And initially, it seemed like it was a good idea. Wait. Then it became quite a bad idea, and then it kind of plateaued, and they thought, well, maybe it's a good idea. Now the numbers are in, everyone's concluding, yes, it was a terrible idea. Mm. You know, there were simply too many deaths, yeah. and they're having another outbreak. Yeah. So it seems like there's nobody who's really doing this right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's my, um, my way in on the controversy is that uh, I acknowledge that – I don't think anybody is right. You know, do you believe the economists? Do you believe the medical professionals? Do you believe the people who were there? You know, um, it, it's so hard. So I just hope that everyone continues to be safe. I And here's the thing. I wish we could have learned from it because for the people who were there who say, hey, I took no precaution and I didn't get sick, then if we truly had figures, then we could say, hey, we let's start going to events. Let's you know, like they announced um, the races that are going to be at Laguna Seca. They just announced that there will be no spectators. Right. They were selling tickets up until recently, and they just announced no spectators. That's what they've been doing on MotoGP. Yeah, same uh, yeah, same MotoGP. I want to be able to go to events, but we need to have actual numbers. And that's the thing. If they had somehow been able to really, like, everyone who went to the event, if they agreed to take the testing and to be traced... Like, then we could have learned from it and we could have... Right. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. And unfortunately, every every hour, every day, every week that goes on since Sturgis, mm -hmm. it becomes harder to track people back to it. Yeah. Because, and, yeah, they know they're there. Well, okay, I'm testing positive for COVID. Well, were you at Sturgis? Yes. But, well, that was a month ago and I've been a lot of places since then. So it's going to become yeah. harder to trace it Back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Um, I wanted to, Emma, you don't know what I'm about to bring up, but. Um, Your lunch? Nope. <laughs> I wanted to 
find out a little bit more about your latest project because I don't think you've talked about it very much. Oh, on the, the Trident. Podcast. Yes. You okay. told me today. What did you tell me today about it the Trident? It is the best bike I've ever built. And not nice. by a small amount either. Ooh. I am immensely proud of this Trident. That's not I'm not just immensely proud of it because it's a British bike. I mean, I'm immensely proud of the standard of work I'm doing to it. Tell um, me some of these things that you're doing because the the problem is not the problem. The the thing is with your bikes, unlike like the bikes that Mike does or a lot of custom builders right, right, do right. where it has a lot of flash and, and you can see the customization, you go the opposite direction. And which by the way, I am going to officially say now, I think that you are the leader in a new movement of customizations that look like stock bikes. Thank you. I so, think that's the next trend. So what I've done with the Trident is I've always been a great fan of Triumph Triples. I mean, even when they tried to kill me, because if you remember, <laughs> the last Trident that I owned yeah. did try to kill me. This one's going to be different. It's going to be different this time. But I've always been a great fan of that engine. Um, pushrod engines sound different to overhead cam engines. Mm -hmm. And pushrod triples, there is nothing on the road that sounds like a pushrod triple. Does so I've got this yeah. 750 pushrod triple. It's only about 60 horsepower. It's not a massively powerful engine, but it sounds brilliant. And because mine is a very, very late 1971, it's got a five-speed transmission, which is nice. It's a big deal because Triumphs came in two flavors. Well, they came in many flavors, but Triumph transmissions came in two flavors. They came in four-speed flavor and five-speed flavor, and the changeover year was kind of late 71, early 72. And I'm very, very lucky because the late 71s, Transmissions weren't made by Triumph. They were actually made by a company called Quaif. And Quaif still... Quaif are still... Not Quaif, darling. Quaif. A. And Quaif are still actually in business, and they still do kind of gears and transmissions, but they're very, very high-quality transmissions. And so Triumph... Quaif did all the production work for the Triumph 5-speed, and they made the first set until Triumph had geared up to make it. So it's got a very, very nice transmission. So that's it. However, it's a 1972 bike. So it's got feeble forks, feeble brakes, feeble, feeble, feeble. So my bike is a kind of, let's modernize it and make it a nice riding bike. So we're going to use the standard engine. We're going to modify the frame a little just to give it a bit less flex. And then we're going to put burly forks on it. We're going to put 17-inch wheels on it with radials. Twin disc front end. We can keep the drum at the back because, you know, the, your, your back brake, if it's capable of locking up the rear wheel, it's good enough. Yeah. You don't need anything more than that. So we can keep the drum at the rear. But the the... Um, the hardest part of the build has been getting these modern components and finishing them like Triumph finished the original parts in the factory. <laughs> so if you take a rough cast 
Suzuki Bandit to Triple Tree. You have to smooth it over so when you give it a high-gloss finish, it looks exactly like a very smooth Triumph Triple Tree. Hmm. And so if I've changed the component, I've done my absolute best to duplicate the finish that it left the factory with originally in 1972. Nice. Um, it's got stock paint. It's a factory purple bike. But as I always do, I've taken some liberties with the tone. Because we know a little more about paint now than we did in 1972. So if you look at some of these original colors, the, the concept was great but the colors themselves were a little bit dull. And so now we've got access to more vibrant paints and, and better looking paints. So as long as we're within a couple of tones, we can actually do a more vibrant color. And I've picked out the wildest purple, mm. um, which is similar to the Triumph one, but a lot more vibrant. And I've gotten um, somebody to make me up some of the OEM decals for the side panels it's so the paint the seat the instrumentation the lighting is all going to look completely stock but the actual chassis components are going to be very modernized it's a lovely thing see i really like this so mike let me ask you because um you've done a couple of custom builds and i'm not picking on you but answer me do you think that your bikes look like other custom bikes um, I can answer that. No. Well, I mean, to, to, to an extent, I mean, the VTX is, is not a one-off, but if you type in like VTX 1300 bobber, there's really not much that looks like mine. And, and there's only, a, there's a, there's, a, there's like, when you start uh, like adjusting things mm -hmm. the way that I do, not the way that she does, there's only a few different variations of how to do that. Exactly. And, and you so know, I picked one of like three. You go to a custom bike show and it's fancy paint and high bars and, you know, chop seat and chop this and, and wide tire. And it's kind of like the same thing over and over. And it's, you're modifying it so that it, it looks completely different from stock. But Mike, do you believe like I do that the new trend is to build a bike that looks stock to me? Like if I go to a bike show and it's a bunch of like concept bikes. I don't. No. I think the people who build that have nostalgia. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree with you, Mike. Uh, that, that's, you know, that's the way it is. And I think the people who build the bikes the way that I do is mm. because they want something that they've seen other people have and they want to try to create it. it. It's all reminiscent of something. And I think this is a very, very valid point you're making, Liza, because out of all the misfits, I would suggest that me and Mike are the most prolific builders. However, the difference is Mike is at least 25 years younger than me. I think that's fair, isn't it, Mike? How old are you now, darling? Oh, okay, I'm almost 40. Yeah, so you're 20 years younger than me. Yeah. So I, I tend to look back a lot more nostalgically. And the concept of what I'm doing, it's quite new with bikes. It's been yeah. quite popular in England for a, for a long time. Um, and in Japan, of all places, that you'll take an old GS1000 or a Z1 
and you'll modernize it. You'll put upside down forks on it and radials and blah, 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 blah. But the concept of doing it to British bikes is quite new. And I'm going to upset a lot of people by doing it, but I don't care. <laughs> but it's been around for a long time in the car business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, if you, mm -hmm. if you say take a 57 Chevy, it's a very iconic car. Right. It's a terrible car to drive. It's <laughs> awful. It's got drum brakes all around. It's got the most woeful um, drop arm steering. It's got no steering. It's got no brakes. It's suspensions like a blamange. They are appalling cars to drive. Yeah. And people figured this out a long time ago, 30 years ago. So what if you put proper brakes on it? What mm -hmm. if you put proper suspension on oh, yeah. it? Air ride, what suspension, if, and, crate engine, that's what they do. So, and that's called a resto mod. Mm -hmm. And you can have something that looks like it rolled off the line in 57. If you want, yeah. you can have dog dish up caps, but underneath it drives like a modern car. And more importantly, it brakes like a modern car and handles like a modern car. So you can enjoy it. Yep. Now, anybody who's had the misfortune of trying to stop a drum brake triumph from 100 miles an hour will know it's a truly underpant-filling experience. <laughs> so my concept, you put modern brakes on it, you beef up the forks. There's really nothing wrong with the way triumphs handle. <clears throat> they're small, they're agile, they're light, but the forks can twist themselves around a bit. Mm -hmm. especially if you upset the balance by putting big brakes. If you put big brakes on a Triumph fork, it's going to start walking on you. So mm -hmm. I've taken that out of the equation. I've used a big, burly 41-millimeter fork and put big brakes on that. Also, I didn't want to fork bridge on this bike. So that by using a big fork with a big front axle that really clamps down, I can get some enough rigidity in the front end. And of course, because it's one of my bikes, I've got the big tractor bars on it so I can push it around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the concept. So when are we going to see a picture? I can show you it right now. Oh, yeah. Our listeners can't see it, so I'm good with that. <laughs> okay. Well, so let's, let's go. Walk, let's, let's go. See what, let's see. What, oh, you're going to take us into the garage. We're going to see it. I am. Yeah, Ooh. we're going into the garage, and I don't know how much you're going to see because. But all right, let's no, have a. I, like like with your Moto Guzzi, where it looks like a stock bike, but there is no stock bike that looks like it. I would no, love I mean, to go to a custom bike show that looks like all concept bikes. You know, I think that would be okay. so rad. All right, we're in, okay. we're in. So we're in the garage. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna turn the screen away. Okay. So that I'm not gonna see what's on the screen. So you're gonna have to tell me if I'm showing you the right thing. So let's turn it round. So what Those can you knickers. see right? <laughs> what can you see right now? The uh, door. The door. <laughs> okay. Hand down. A wrist. A headlight. Uh oh. Oh, okay. A bunch of shiny stuff. Ooh. What do you think of those wheels? Ooh. Look at that. Very nice. Is that a Comstar? <laughs> no, it's a wire wheel. It's a proper wire wheel. Wire wheel, We nice. can move back. We're probably going to run out of light here. But yeah. everything you see that's shiny is stainless that's, steel. That's a lot of shiny. And then 
we can move to the back. Sitting on this bike is standard Triumph. But by the 1970s, Triumph was figuring out styling. So the tail light, mm -hmm. the turn signals, I'm not seeing any of this. So you're just going to have yeah. to tell me I'm showing you the right yeah. thing. Yeah. All where that is the, stock. Uh, where did the shocks come from? Um, the shocks. So what I did with the shocks is I wanted to keep an OEM looking shock. So what I've got is some nitrogen cartridges and I turned them down and painted them black mm. and then used a Triumph spring on the outside so it looks mm. like a Triumph shock. Nice. But there's the stock drum brake. Mm -hmm. But again, that's a 17 with a radial. So yeah. I've got radial tires on it. We'll continue walking around. And you've got no. I don't know if we're no, running out of light here. Yeah, you got no tins on. This is just the the chassis we're There's seeing. There's no tins on this yet. Mm -hmm. So there you but go. But I just see a lot of shiny stuff. Nice. Is that a oh cooler? Yeah, that looks great. With yeah, the, the dual, dual disc, disc front. yeah, front end. Yeah, and I I chose these rotors especially because I'm absolutely obsessed with the holes on the carrier. Mm -hmm. mm. That does look good. Um, and then what we can do is we'll go, and I'm again, I'm not sure how much light you're going to get. It, we're kind of against the light here. Can you see the instrument pack and the headlight? Uh, just, it's in shadow. Yeah. I can see it perfectly, mm -hmm. but what I can see and what computers can see. Um, so anyway, so that's a brief tour of it. Um, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you, guys. There you go. Well, and, and so are you going to finish that before the uh, turbo wing? Um, yeah, probably. I don't. You know, I'm. I'm. I've. I've never had a plan. Bikes. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to do what I feel like doing, and I'll. I'll carry on with it until I run out of steam or um, just run out of inspiration. And the stupidest things will actually grind me to a halt. Like I can't decide what to do with an exhaust. And so I'll just put everything to one side until I've decided which direction. Then I'm off again. Right. So right now the momentum is with me on the Triumph. That's for me. And so I'll go as far as I can. And then yeah. um, that's the only thing I've got on the boil right now. So that's, um, that's where you and me differ is that you'll obsess on something for weeks, months, and like, and then like come up with a really quick plan and let it sit. And then work on it. And me, I'll be like, I'll look around and just be like, how can I make this work and still look good? And yeah. then I'm getting this done come hell or high water tonight. Right. So I, so I don't have to think about it anymore. Mike, I'm Oh, just God. I can spend a week on a bolt. Yeah, not me. Mm. I, I, I'm like, fuck it. This this one's a screw. This one's a Phillips head. This one's a Torx. So I don't give a shit. Put them in. Yeah. You'll never see it. <laughs> Get Mike, it down the road. I'm, I'm curious, I'm Mike. You were, we're on Zoom, but you're wearing a mask. I'm outside. I'm on my deck. Is that for the smoke? Yeah, the, the PMI ah. is pretty high here. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I got this. Look at this plush outdoor deck. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. And the hammock. Very nice. But nice. Um, no, I I stand by what I said, Liza. I think in terms of quality of finish mm -hmm. and quality of build, the Triumph is the best bike I've ever built up to this point. Nice. Can I can I say something um, in in, in in terms of the way you build versus the way I build, is it like oh, sure. my vision on 
on bikes is to make something look older but bring yes. new technology into it. And I think that you're doing the same thing where you're saying about putting that shock on the way you did. Yeah. You kind of do that too, like subtly. And uh, I mean, like if you think about the Harley, it's got like all updated, te- like the whole German fucking um, Bluetooth and this and that. But when Right, you exactly. At first glance, you'd be like, oh, that's like a chopper. Like it's probably just stripped down. But in reality, it's got a fucking computer in it. You know what I mean? Like, and like right. the, the headlight and even with my my uh, shovel head is the same thing it's got like a, a bunch of updated kind of stuff on it but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going for this kind of aggressive vintage look yeah. but you know the thing i think we share mike is the day i buy a bike or buy a frame or buy a single component I can close my eyes and I can see the finished bike. Yeah. And I just follow that vision. And some of the ideas at that stage are very conceptual. Um, and they can change. Sometimes they change because the bike builder is changing. But sometimes they can change because what I want to do simply isn't available. You know, the Trident, I really wanted to put a three-into-one on it, but there are no three-into-ones available anymore. Mm. And I don't really want to bend my own because the bike's being built to such a high standard, I'm not sure whether I'd be able to build one to the standard that the rest of the bike's going to ask for. So until three-into-ones are available, I'm going to have to do a three-into-two, and that's okay. It'll still sound as good. But I haven't decided what kind of mufflers I'm going to put on it yet. Check this out. This is my shovel hood. Uh, oh, yeah. Look oh, at yeah. that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Nice. It's vintage looking, but it's got some like good styling on it and shit. You know? Who's the guy with the shades? Oh, that's Fat Joe. <laughs> that's a good looking bike. Oh, and that's the old school. Yeah. Oh, fishtail. Yeah. Love nice. it. But you see, here's the thing, Mike. I could tell you how to improve that bike right now by a thousandfold. Put suspension on the back? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. Go for it. Wider bars. Black and yellow license plate. (laughs) (laughs) It's as simple as that. Yeah. But that tiny detail will lift that bike to the next level. What what year is that bike? 73. Uh, Okay. So you, you get you get one of the modern ones, but uh, yeah. If you no put a black, if you put a black and yellow license plate on that bike with a chrome frame on it, that's the finishing touch right there. Yeah, the nice. thing's got a wicked stance on it. It's like a grass. Oh, it's a, it's absolutely amazing. And with those mufflers on it, like mm-hmm. I say, that is the old schooler right yeah. there. Things a grass. It looks like a grasshopper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you call it well, David Carradine. Now we just got to get Bagel and Jim to finish their projects, and we can do a bike show, right? <laughs> Dude, I'm totally not. Just came up with their name on the pod. I always come up with it on the podcast. That's yeah. Go on, David Carradine. What? <laughs> How about just the grasshopper? <laughs> you know, the grasshopper. Yeah, I don't know. You want to go with David Carradine? <laughs> it always used to freak me out at the beginning of that show that if he was trapped in that little. And the only way he could get out was by picking up the 
you know, the burning cauldron. Part where you get the tattoos. And yeah. he gets the tattoo, the dragon tattoos on his inner arms. It's well, the only way he can get out. You know what, Mike? It is is it's good timing to mention David Carradine because that ties in to the first email that I have to read. Oh, oh very David good. Evans. We're choking from Evans. Let me guess. So you recall on last week's interview with Debbie Evans, she talked uh, about watching Kung Fu and David Carradine and how people thought that she knew <laughs> Kung Fu. Yeah. But in fact, she just watched the show a lot and how right. cool it was uh, when she finally got to meet him. Well, we got an email from uh, Thaddeus and he says... Hey, wow, what a cool interview with a cool woman. Debbie Evans was awesome. He says, did I miss something or did you not ask her the question? I would have loved to have heard <laughs> that. And uh, yes, Very you, astute listener. you are correct. Hmm. I actually decided ahead of time that maybe not appropriate to That's ask whoa, whoa, whoa. her what her up the butt bike was. Well, we, I could just, talk to, we could talk to that about fucking uh, Keanu Reeves and I can get banned from YouTube. Yep. But you can't ask her. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Let's just say learn my lesson. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyone who and works on cool the matrix move matrix movies, we're avoid that question. It's just, it's a blanket. <laughs> blanket thing all right uh but yes thank you i'm glad you enjoyed that interview so did we um yeah, we did. but i have some more emails um, with some questions that need to be answered and i think we can help them uh this one comes from garth he says hello misfits garth or goth garth garth, young garth. garth. <laughs> he says i have a puzzle i hope you can help to solve i'm sure you've all had the experience of throwing a battery on the charger only to have it cook percolate and expel battery acid yes. in response i picked up a uwasa battery tender which advertised five stages of charging that would maintain the battery prevent sulfation sulfation etc a smarter gentler and kinder approach that would extend the battery life and possibly make the world a better place however my uwasa battery tender just cooks my uwasa battery and causes a caustic mess <laughs> yikes tend <laughs> implies care nurturing preservation one tends a garden or a fire i was led to believe through anecdotes and adverts that one could leave a battery on a tender for long periods what gives well i shall tell you darling let's hear it is is you know um stradivarius makes wonderful violins but lousy pianos and conversely, Steinway <laughs> makes fine pianos and shitty violins. <laughs> well, you ask her <laughs> to make the best batteries in the world and the worst charges. I don't know. You know, I, in a lot of ways, I'm a technophobe. And if a battery charger offers 10 different styles of charging, depending on the needs of the battery, I tend to run away from it. I'm a huge advocate of a good old-fashioned battery charger that has got one setting, low, and a nice little gauge on the front, so when you put your alligator clips on the battery, you can see that it's just puttering along at one amp. Hold on, we got to say bye to Mike. He's got to sign off. See you, Mike. Bye, Ciao, Mikey. Yeah, my, Mike. Batteries, uh, my battery's dying. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
No sweat. Good right, good seeing you. Um, Speaking of but you know, I'm a huge advocate of less is more technology. Um, and it sounds, you know, when I look back on my battery charging career over the years, um, the more complex battery chargers are always the one that do the most gruesome things to my batteries. See, and I'm actually going to say, um, I disagree with you in that I like the new smart chargers. And especially in this case, where it's a it's a Yuasa battery tender. It's made to leave it on for many places, especially. Yeah, but it fried his battery, right. darling. I think he has a bad charger. These are made to put on, especially when you think of all the places that have long winters. You put a battery tender on and you leave it on. It should be a float charger. It should be a smart charger. I think he's got a... He's got one with a broken got, I think sensor. He's got a dumb charger. Yeah, did yeah. he get did you get it at Harbor Freight? <laughs> no, no, he said it's a Yuasa brand. I know. I know. So, but it's acting I mean, like no, this is why you avoid the the Harbor Freight So charger. this is typical misfits. We have two conflicting views. We I, th- I think you got a bad less one. Is more and then more is more. I think um in general you should be able to have a tender battery or a smart charger so you can leave it on. For, yes. for all winter, like people do, it's better to leave it on a a uh, a tender than it is to have nothing on there and let sure. it just deplete. But but I will also say that uh, I have had very very good luck with my Optimate battery charger. Mm-hmm. I've had that thing probably for twenty years now, and it has reliably charged every battery that I've put on that right. has ever been salvageable. Even batteries that could not be charged by other chargers, the Optimate actually brought them back, and they were still usable for at least a little while longer. Yeah. So, so they the Optimate has actually extended the life of a lot of the batteries that I've owned over the years. So it it I think has more than paid for itself. So I, I will agree. I think that that is a good name in chargers. Would you? Agree? Oh, I would. Generally, Optimates are very good. Um, I've got a, I've got a perfect idea for Garth. Yeah. So what you need is a hamster in a wheel, and a couple of wires <laughs> with crocodile clips, and you put the hamster. Yeah, you put, <laughs> you put the hamster in the wheel, and you make a little tin foil hat for the hamster, no, don't and then you charge. Your you got to wind with the hamster in the wheel, and it won't overcharge. You see. But you got to wind the coils, and and you know. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's do it yourself. It's do it yourself. Think of the sense of achievement that you have made your own battery charger. And then there's a bonus. It'll squeak at you when the battery is fully charged and you can give it another. I don't know what, what the hamsters eat. Do they eat raisins or something like that? Should they, they, eat, small they eat their young. They eat air filters. God almighty. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, you can just give it a raisin and off you go. And if you need, (laughs) and if you need your battery charged up faster, if you need the fast charge, you can just give it a raisin laced with speed. And that's how you charge your battery up faster. Emma, you are so punchy tonight. Okay. (laughs) Punch (sighs) drunk. All right. We got, Um, we got, we got another question. Let's okay. get through these. Uh, this is from our friend uh, Paul Kelly up in Washington. He says, hey, it's Paul. Hey, Paul. Uh, I remember I rode the iron butt down there a while back. Um, my oldest is now 16 and wants to ride. And um, and I asked the little lady if she would like to take the basic riding class as well, just for kicks. They both agreed to take the class together. And today oh, she brought old. a brand new Rebel with ABS in that great blue jeans color. Yeah, that like is that. awesome. Making new riders. He says, the reason I am contacting contacting you is because she is having a hard time finding
creating women's motorcycling groups. I know that there are a lot of people associated with WRWR, but is that the best way to find local ladies riding? I figured you'd know where I should point her. We are near Seattle, if that helps. Oh, I think um, there's um, there's a curve unit in Seattle, isn't there? Yeah, there's so there's um, there's social groups. Uh, like Facebook groups, there's, you know, like yes. I belong to like uh, uh, women's adventure writing groups and right. we're wearing a bunch of groups, but then there's local clubs. And I really think that is the best way is to find local clubs, in-person clubs, right. um, you know, clubs like there's leaders everywhere and Let's there may be leaders. curve unit. Yeah. 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 The motor leaders are out there. Curve units are out there. Um, but the Facebook groups are great because you can go for the obvious one, women who ride a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if that is not active in your area, once you are a member of that group, Facebook, because they probe your brain, um, they'll offer you all kinds of suggestions based on that. So if you join one women's motorcycle group, they're going to offer you suggestions of at least five more. Just join them all and put it out there. Hey, I'm a woman riding in Seattle. I've got this bike. Tell me about clubs. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, oh, Women Riders Now, our, our friend uh, Aaron's uh, group. I mean, it's not a group so much as it's a source of information right. for women, but they have a Facebook presence. You can get a newsletter. That's another great way to get news and information about um women writers uh so there's a lot of different ways uh to go about it um yeah i i'm on a whole bunch of groups and it's just a lot of women they're supporting each other you know asking a lot of the same questions or just looking for support um but i would try and find a local group or even um that does like a meet up a ride and you'll find those all over oh the place. you know what in seattle of all places i mean seattle has always been an amazing biking town uh, i know that oh this is in oregon there's the ravens right um but it's Seattle, for God's sake. You know, it's going to be the yeah. easiest thing in the world. Find women to ride with in Seattle might be one of the easiest tasks in the world. Yeah, look up the leaders. They've got uh, groups everywhere. But, hey, congratulations on getting new riders out there. Um, and, and yeah, that's brilliant. Getting the women yeah. in your life on their own bikes. I think that's awesome. Yeah, um, excellent. And then we've got this one is from John, and he Johnny. says, "Is it John uh, or Johnny?" It's John, just John. John. He says, "Hola, misfits." Just right to say, Jean. "I hope y'all weren't." He says, "I hope y'all weren't kidding about the misfits rally in South Dakota next year." Oh boy. I live in Omaha and would be stoked to have a chance to meet you so close to my homeland. I have friends in Rapid City and visit the Black Hills pretty regularly on my 2008 Yamaha WR250R and my oh, 2012 cool. Honda NC700X. Love the podcast where Liza and Jim unpacked their RV trip. I wished I could have went camping with Naked Jim on our 250s. I live for that adventure shit. Let's make the Misfits rally happen. Nice. That'd be cool. I'm in. Let's do it. Well, especially, and that's why it brings it full circle. Um, this is big news for Rideshare if they're going to make it possible to rent bikes and take them out onto the dirt. I think, um, Jim, I think that area we went riding, which is fire trails, 
it's nothing not a lot of heavy not a lot of heavy shit you can just go right up in the mountains on pretty nice gravel roads um but right up to now you really can't rent somebody's bike and take it out there even though you have you know adventure bikes for rent so i'm excited about that option of lining up idea and and there yeah. is challenging writing too. So if you need that three hundred dollar a day, Kate, you know whatever it was, <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't don't say there aren't challenging roads out there because there are roads that will eat your lunch all day. Oh out yeah, there. but you can also ride for hours and hours and hours and just oh, yeah. see and just see beautiful mountains oh, and be the out. The variety is unreal. In, yeah, yeah, out in the wild and nature and and battling cows. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I like I always say, if if, if, the, if the if the road's not challenging enough, just go faster. Ah, I <laughs> totally forgot to ask uh, Guillermo what his policy is on cleaning cow shit off of bikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's, well, I didn't drop there. it, but <laughs> there was an incident I, I think with the you know the answer to that before you ask it, Liza. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I like it. Misfits on tour in um, the Dakotas. I would love to do that. And we're trying to figure out, uh, since we have my friend Michelle's, uh, you know, chalet, the the chalet in Custer, South Dakota. Tell her I said hi. Um, what a great place <laughs> that we could base it out of. But not just that. Um, we, you know, we have a, a listener who has a horse camp there. That was Which really cool. Bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was nice. And uh, there's, oh, I like horses. There's so many resources there. Jim, I want to make it happen. We got to figure out how. Got to figure out how. Yeah, just put the word out. I mean, like you said, there's there's hotels, there's a chalet, which is would be a great ground zero, or you can go camping. The camping's great, very accessible. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff: street riding, dirt riding, dual sport riding. It's all there. Yeah, we got to figure out, um, you know what also is going to be a big thing? You guys, if AMA Vintage Days is back on next year, Hmm. that may be the big thing for the Misfits. Big road trip. That may be the, this is where the Misfits uh, appearance. Jim, are you excited about that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I am. (laughs) What it made me me think of is I want to go to Europe to MotoGP. I, I think know. that would we be all a good, got but so we're many banned from we Europe until further <laughs> yeah. notice. So. Oh, yeah. oh, they'll take us back eventually. Mm. They like our money. Um, they like our money. Let's see. Oh, in other news, guess what we did again? Dropped another video on our YouTube channel, another Misfits. And this time, Emma explained about inner tubes. It's all about the inner tubes, Ooh, darling. Tubes. It's tubular. Exactly. It's tubular bells. We learned all about inner tubes and when all you should use tubes. a heavy duty tube. And Jim, mm-hmm. Ooh, I you, didn't yeah. understand the reason for uh, heavy duty inner tubes until this. Do you want to know why heavy duty? Do I would love to know. Do I have to listen to the watch the the YouTube to find out? Uh, you I suggest can, you do. You can go to our you know our Recycle Santa Cruz channel on YouTube and uh, look for you know the Misfits and my S S F I T S. But I will tell you, and here it, it's pretty simple why you need heavy duty because there's a lot of friction in a dirt bike tire because it's moving around so much that you need that extra rubber to deal with just all of the heat and the friction. Hmm. And right. I never really thought okay. about that because we're running it at low 
Uh, so know, what's funny is I've had, heavy, I've had heavy-duty tubes fail. Um, these are on rear tires, mm-hmm. front tire, yeah, I can't remember, rim locks, but uh, both twice the same failure. It tore at the valve where the valve kind of stem connects into the right, tube itself. Yep. Had and that's your tire right walking. That's your tire walking. Yeah. And that's almost entirely down to super low tire pressure mm-hmm. or um, on the front – I would say it's probably very, very low tire pressure and excessive braking at Mm. low tire pressure and spinning your Mm. tire. Um, The only way to cure that, I'm afraid, is pull the tire, drill the rim, put a security lock in there. Mm -hmm. And that'll cure that straight away, darling. Straight Uh, away. Oh, I... A rim but, um, I give it a rim job. Yeah, get a rim job, man. Um, <laughs> a wee but yes, in the it's... back, just the rear. <laughs> um, but yes, it, it's it's like it's like books. It's not real life. It's friction. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. I see what I did there. It's friction. So yeah, check out the latest Misfits video. Um, but it's a great opportunity for me to put out the request. We need emails to answer your questions we're looking for more topics for our ask the misfits series you can send that to ask the misfits m-i-s-s-f-i-t-s at gmail.com and uh let us know what questions you have um that emma can answer let's let's just be honest i'm not answering them i'm sitting there going really i didn't know that (laughs) oh no i mean we have we have a really jolly time together. I mean, it's yeah. it's not the Emma show. It's the Emma and Liza show, and we have a very, very good time with it. Um, may I make a very, very brief announcement before we close up the show? Because sure. I know time's getting yes. on. Um, so if we can all cast our mind back to the beginning of the year, or actually just after the one show. Okay. I know it seems like a lifetime ago, but I put out a request... And I said, if you want a Miss Emma sticker or an ultra limited edition, give it the bean sticker, which are fabulous because it's got a picture of me on it. Um, Send me a stamped addressed envelope. And the pandemic happened and the wildfires happened and so on and so on and so forth. But cut a long story short, I'm finally sending your stickers out. Everybody who sent me in a stamped addressed envelope, I've included a little handwritten note with your stickers. Thank you so much for being a fan. Thank you so much for being patient. The letters have gone out. You should. You all should get your um, stickers by the end of the week. Just thank you for bearing with me. My printer finally came through. I had to bribe him mightily. <laughs> but he went into work wearing a respirator and made my bloody stickers. Oh, nice. <laughs> Emma, got where, them. where do you want them to send their CZ to? Um, well, if it, I was going to say, and that's the second part of it. If you want Misfit stickers, Emma's Army stickers, or the super limited edition... Give it the and beans. When, when this run of Give It The Beans stickers is over, I'm never going to print any more of them because I'm not going to look like that for much longer. <laughs> um, so um, it's going to be done. So there's only 50 of them. So if you want one, Ooh. send your stamped address envelope to... 
Are we doing it to my address or yours? Your address, of course. The Misfits. I, I sent it to my parents. Uh, <laughs> to the address. Uh, They're going to love that. So you can send it to Miss Emma at 342 Washington Street. And that's Santa Cruz, California, 95060. 342 Washington Street, Santa Cruz, California, 93. No, nope. uh, 95060. 95060. Yeah, you can address it to Miss Emma, the Misfits, Recycle Garage, any of those Yeah, things. just as long as you mention either the Misfits or Miss Emma. Um, but really, it was just an apology for the delay of getting the stickers out and a thanks to everybody who sent a request in. You know, we have got the best fans Yes, we do. Indeed. And you know who are the best of the best? Our Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers. So big <laughs> thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. Appreciate it so much. It keeps us going and it helps me buy new equipment, and new things. And uh, I put I put all new rolly stools in the garage recently. Yeah. That's a good upgrade right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everyone, especially thank you to our listeners. Um, I know, I think last week on our web, our podcast, we said that the website was down. It is back up. Go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, and I've updated the links to all of our la the latest episodes there. Uh, and you'll find lots of pictures and just uh, harkens back to the good old days before the old virus came. Them good old days. Exactly. You know, we should offer, for Patreon subscribers, we should offer a spank Miss Emma option. All we have to do is decide what it's worth. We can do that at vintage days. You mean how much you're oh, willing man. to pay them to spank you? I was going to say that. Yeah. It could be a per, a per spank. <laughs> per spank. Uh, per spanking. A spanking. <laughs> Yeah, let's just end on that. <laughs> yeah, okay, very good. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And don't forget to go check out Riders Share, riders-share.com. Do some bike porn. Take a look at what's on there. Um, it's kind of dangerous to go on there and go like, ooh, hmm, I kind of want to try that. Ooh, I haven't ridden one of those yet. So check it out. Thank you to Guillermo for coming on. I really love all the new ideas he has and uh, for keeping it going. And uh, I think that's about it. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. It's Emma Darling. Mm, bagel. Naked Jim. And we're out of here. Cool. 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 cool.